You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 1 tonight, and, and don't stand. Uh, we're going to, I know you can't, you didn't come for this, but I do think there's some truth that we need to look at tonight. They hopefully will be helped to you tonight. Luke chapter 1, and let me give you a few things tonight, and then we'll, and then we'll enjoy the celebration of the program here. Just want to say again, great job, kiddos. Great job up there. I appreciate the work you did. Yeah, give them another round of applause. It's a blessing, and uh, appreciate appreciate these over here, the little ones. I mean, that, you just never know what's going to happen, and they did really good tonight. I'm grateful, and uh, we were able to get the message, and I uh, do appreciate all the adults that helped with them as well. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Um, you know, the, the main thrust of this service tonight has already been conveyed, and, and I hope that you got it, and, uh, I, you know, I want to focus on one point of it, but... But dwelling, that God wants to dwell with us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to have a relationship with you, and, and I want to focus just on one part of that tonight as, as Carter uh, was closing the program with his part. He said, ever since God created man and placed him in the Garden of Eden, God has always wanted to dwell with and fellowship with mankind. That's always been God's desire, and we know that, that sin has hindered God's plan to, to dwell with man, but it's obvious in the rest of Scripture that God has not changed his mind. He still wants to dwell with mankind. He still wants to dwell with you. He still wants to have a relationship with you. He, he implemented the tabernacle as a temporary place, and then he, he commissioned the temple as the more permanent place, and, and now God dwells in individuals. Uh, he, he dwells in, if you're a child of God, he dwells in you. If, you, if you're a part of a local New Testament church, when, uh, then he dwells among us. He's here with us even right now, he says. And, and it hasn't always looked the same. If you think about it, the way that God dwells, it looked different in the Garden of Eden with Adam and, with, with Adam and Eve. He, uh, he walked with them, but then sin came, and then the tabernacle was given, and then uh, that's where he met with his people, at, there at the Ark of the Covenant. And then at the temple uh, in, in, this, in Solomon's time, in Jesus Christ's time. And then now again in believers and in churches. But the time of God's indwelling has always looked different. And the, part, the one that intrigues me the most, the, the time that God indwelled the, that intrigues me the most, um, was when he came as a, as a person in the flesh. You know, because he had dwelled with his people in, in the garden, in the tabernacle, in the temple, and, and he'd been with his people, but when he actually came in a body, I mean, that's an incredible thought, that the God that created the heavens and the earth would come in a little body, and you know, this little baby, this is about the size that, that God, the creator, came, and he put himself in a body this size right here, and that, it just really blows your mind. You know, that God would go to those lengths for us. He, he didn't, it didn't come in a king's body. He didn't come into a palace. He didn't come into, in some important figure in the culture. No, no, actually, he came, and it started with a young virgin named Mary. And that's really what I want to focus tonight is on Mary's role in the process, is that God himself first came 
to literally dwell within a teenage girl. And it's her response to God's desire to dwell that opened the door for some incredible blessings. And that's, I want to look here in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 26. If you've got a Bible, or if you want, if you don't have a Bible, maybe somebody will share with you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, oh, by the way, I think we have some Bibles in the pews. If you want to look there, Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be, we're going to be, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She was wondering, what kind of a greeting is this? Verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, he shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the, unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This was going to be a divine and supernatural act. Verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What a great thought. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Tonight, I just want to look at, uh, just for a few moments, um, the, that the blessing of saying yes to the unexpected. The blessing of saying yes to the unexpected. Mary did not expect Gabriel to come and say, God wants to dwell in you. But when, by saying yes to that offer, the blessings that Mary got to enjoy were far beyond anything she could have ever enjoyed on her own. And that's the thought I want to look at. Let's pray and ask God to help our time together. Father, we ask that you would speak through your word to our hearts. Pray that you give us, make, help us to be free from distraction. I pray that you would just help our minds to be focused on your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God works in unexpected ways. And it, the Bible is full of stories of God doing things unconventionally. And I don't have to show you those. You probably, many of you know those stories. You've got, I think about the Red Sea crossing. I think about Gideon and the 300. I think about the walls of Jericho coming down just by marching around and shouting. I think of David, that teenage boy, and Goliath, the giant. I think of Jonah and the whale. There's some good stories in the Bible. And they're all evidence that God does things in unexpected ways. And and, you know, I think we get used to reading the stories, but if you were hearing them for the first time, you'd probably be struck by how unexpected they really are. We might be used to them, but they were unexpected. And think about it, as unexpected as it is for us to read it, can you imagine how unexpected it was for the people involved in the stories? 
Now, can you imagine how unexpected this story was? Think of how unexpected it was for Mary that she's likely not old enough to get her driver's license. I mean, she's a teenage girl. And the angel comes to her and says, you're going to be the one. Uh, she's not married. She's espoused or she's promised in marriage to a man named Joseph. She's not even married yet. And she gets the news from an angel named Gabriel. And we might get used to that. But have, have you ever had an angel come and give, deliver you a message face to face like that? Now, if that happened to me, it would be very unexpected. I would not be prepared for that moment. She's told that she will bear the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, this is unexpected. She finds out that the Holy Ghost will cause her to be pregnant in a supernatural way. This story is full of the unexpected. And some of us are so regimented. We are so inside the box that something this unexpected would cause us to hyperventilate. Have you, anybody in here like that where you've got, a, you've got your routine, you've got your schedule, and these are the, this is the way things are supposed to go and we can't veer off of that? Well, this is very outside the box. But what I appreciate about Mary, this young girl, is she was so willing to trust God that even the unknowns and the unexpecteds did not prevent her from saying yes to God. She was willing to say yes to everything. And where we might be thrown off by the surprises... Mary said yes to the unexpected, and it resulted in so much more than she could have ever imagined. I want you to look at Mary's yes. This is her saying yes to God, and we've already read it, but look down at verse 38 again. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. She literally, she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. You know what she's doing? Mary is saying, Be it unto me according to thy word, Whatever you say, God, I mean, she's talking to Gabriel, but she's, she's saying yes to God. She's saying, whatever you say, God, then whatever you want from my life, I'm willing to do it if it means you'll dwell with me. I'll go to any lengths that are necessary if it means that you will dwell with me, God. She basically says, whatever you ask, I say yes, even if it's unexpected even if it's hard. And just think about what Mary was saying yes to, though. See, she said yes to what she was supposed to be first. Again, look at verse 28. It says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Let the, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Uh, God, Gabriel calls her highly favored. He says, The Lord is with thee, and that she's blessed among women. In verse 30, he says, Thou hast found favor with God. Listen, I truly believe that God came to Mary because she'd already had a pattern of saying yes to God. I, again, I'll say that again. I believe that God came to Mary because she already had a pattern of saying yes to God. He doesn't come. The angel doesn't come and say, uh, Mary, you are going to be highly favored. No, he says you are highly favored. He doesn't come and say, Mary, someday you're going to be blessed by God. No, she was blessed by God. He didn't come saying, uh, you will be blessed among women. No, she already is. He, he didn't come saying, the Lord uh, will be with thee. The, the Lord was already with her. This is a young lady, a young teenager, who already had a pattern of saying yes to God. And I, I say, that's a great testimony for our young people. I mean, I look around and I see a lot of young people in this room. I see the, the little ones and the older ones, and I see teenagers and listen, Mary, again, Mary likely is not old enough to get her driver's license. And God comes to her and says, you already are highly favored. 
The Lord is with you already. Blessed are you among women, not among your friends, not among just teenagers, among all women. Our young people have something to learn from somebody who at such a young age has a heart for God like this. Now, before we get out of balance, and I just have to be careful, this doesn't mean that Mary is some form of deity that needs to be worshipped. And, and I want to be careful with that. She was a godly woman. She was a favored woman. But what is said of her isn't necessarily unique to her. He says, thou art highly favored. It's a great thing to be said of anybody. But you go back and it, God said, that, no, I found grace in the sight of God. It's the same idea. Um, th- God told Moses that he had found grace in God's sight. It's the same idea. Acts says David found favor before God. So as great as these words are, it wasn't necessarily unique to Mary and that nobody else had found favor before in God's eyes. There had been others that found favor in God's eyes. When he said, the Lord is with thee, that was the same thing God said to Gideon back in Judges chapter 6. When he said, blessed art thou among women, that very similar phrase was said to a a judge, a woman judge named Jael in Judges chapter 5. So is Mary a uniquely gifted and blessed young lady? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that she's deity. She's just a person, a young lady who's found favor with God because she has a pattern of saying yes to God. There are without a doubt incredible things to have said about you, but Mary was just simply a young lady, a godly young lady who had God's grace and presence in her life. You don't have those kinds of things said about you though unless there's already a pattern of surrender. Here's the first thought that I want to come to that Mary was selected to do more for the Lord because she was willing to be what she was supposed to be. She was highly favored. The Lord was already with her. She was blessed among women. And the fact that she was already that way, the fact that she had already had a pattern of being what she was supposed to be meant that God was going to come to her and give her an opportunity to do more and to do something unique that nobody else had ever gotten, had been, ever been able to do before. And it's, more, it's very important that we focus on being what we're supposed to be before we just simply do what we're supposed to do. Mary was the right kind of person before God came and said, now I want you to do something great for me. And listen, you must be the right, you must be before you can do. And a lot of people, they, they get the, the, the order flipped and they start doing things for God and they get active for God and they do all these great things and they're serving and they're involved in church and they're doing some good things for God but there's not they're they're not being anything first you must first be a child of God before you can truly serve God in a way that pleases him you must be before you can do if we if we just get out there and we just do and go through the motions then really we're no different than the Pharisees that Jesus Christ called out on many occasions, be willing to say yes to God in what you're supposed to be. And if you will say yes, yes to God, that, listen, I'm not just willing to just do things. I want to be a good Christian. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good mother. I want to be a good brother or sister. I want to be what I'm supposed to be. And if you will say yes to God in what you're supposed to be, I truly believe he'll come along and give you opportunities to do what you never thought you'd got, you would get to do. And that's the second thing she says yes to. She said yes to doing what she was supposed to do. Look at verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Her initial reaction was a fear. If an angel came to you and started talking to you, do you think that you might just be a little bit apprehensive? 
Okay, you're braver than I. I, I would be apprehensive. I would, be, I would have a little bit of fear. This angel coming to speak to you, it might be terrifying. But then Gabriel tells Mary what God wants her to do. He says, first, you are being what you're supposed to be. But now here's what God wants you to do. Uh, Basically, I'll sum it up. He says, you're going to conceive. You're going to bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. His name shall, he shall be great. He'll be son of the highest. He'll sit on David's throne forever. And and that's what you get to have a part in. Look at our next question down in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? That's a good question. How will this happen if I'm not even married, she says. Well, there, verse 35, I already read it. The Holy Ghost will supernaturally make this happen. Don't worry about it. He can do this. And I love the example that he gives in verse 36. And behold, by the way, he says, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So I love what he does. He, said, he comes and says, listen, you are going to have a baby. And she says, how, how is that going to happen? I have not been with a man. I'm not even married. He says, listen, with God, nothing is impossible. And he says, and just to prove it, uh, your cousin Elizabeth, who's, uh, who's old, she's, in her old, she's an older lady. She's an elderly lady. She is barren. She's in her sixth month with a child. In case you were wondering, can God do the impossible then you should go talk to Elizabeth because God is already doing the impossible and he can do it in your life too. So Mary's answer is, okay, God, I'm, behold thy handmaid. Whatever your word says, I'm willing to do it. You know, she, she knew what she was saying yes to. And, and by that, I mean, she wasn't just saying yes to the role God wanted her to play in, the, in his kingdom. You know, do you know she was saying yes to probably losing some friends? Think about this. This is going to be a young lady, and people aren't going to understand it, especially in that culture. She was going to become pregnant before she was officially married. And I know that's a lot more common in our day and age, and and we give grace when that happens. I mean, we do, for sure. But in that culture, it probably was a little different. So Mary, in that moment, she had to consciously, by saying yes to God, behold thine handmaid, whatever your word says, I'll do it. She was saying yes to losing some friends. She was likely saying yes to to knowing the gossipers were going to have a field day talking about her. She was saying yes to life being hard for Joseph. Okay, Joseph's going to have to explain this. He's going to have to understand this. This is not going to be easy for him. She knew that when she said yes, that her family would likely get some major flack. She knew by saying yes, she was probably going to be judged by some people but you know what she did she accepted it she said yes and then she just went on her business she went to see her cousin she made haste she just went on and said okay whatever it is God that you want me to do I'm going to do it I accept everything I'm saying yes to and in the end saying yes means we just agree to do what God has asked us to whatever the understanding whatever the timing no matter the sacrifice, no matter how hard it sounds, saying yes to God means saying yes to everything. And that's not always easy. And it doesn't always make sense. You know, do you realize Mary could have said no? Mary could have said no here. She could have said, you know what, this is not for me. You're going to have to find somebody else. She could have said not now. She could have said not me. But look again at her actual response in verse 38. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. 
you realize that what Mary was actually saying yes to, she was saying yes to being the first person who got to experience God dwelling with man in this way. So yes, she was saying yes to some, to some hardships. And she was saying yes to some difficult things, but she was also saying yes to the most incredible thought that God himself would come and he would dwell inside me. I'd be the first person to get to dwell with God on that level. So even though she was saying yes to something hard, she was saying yes to something that no one else had ever gotten to do. She got to have a part in God's eternal plan to save sinners in a way that no one else has ever had a part. And, she, and they'll never get to have a part in it again. And here's where we, get, we start seeing the truth that I really want you to get tonight. And that is this, what you gain by saying yes to God is far greater than anything you'd lose saying no. What you gain saying yes to God is greater than anything you'll lose by saying no. Friend, Jesus Christ has an eternal plan for your life. And I'm just going to present this tonight and I want you just to hear it. Listen, Jesus Christ came to earth to die for your sins. You talk about an unexpected way to come. He came as a baby. He lived as a carpenter's son. It wasn't until he was 30 or so that he was revealed to be the son of God, the Messiah to the world. And he came and he lived a life on planet earth. And you know why he did it? He came to dwell among men so that he could permanently dwell in your life. He came and he lived among men and then he, he subjected himself to death. They didn't, ju- they didn't take him by force. He gave up his life willingly. And when he died on the cross for your sins, he was dying in your place because your sins have separated you from God. Every person that's ever been alive for all have sinned and come, have come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners before God. And our problem with God is not that we don't have enough good works, is that we have sin in our lives. And that sin has separated us from God. That's the problem that all of us have. We all have a sin problem. But when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross in our place for our sins, he was paying our sin debt so that our sin problem could be taken care of and we could be reconciled forever to God the Father again. He sent his son to dwell among men and walk on this dirty planet and die on a cross in our place so that we could dwell with him forever in heaven. He wants to give you eternal life so you can dwell with him for eternity. And you know, just like Mary, you know what you could say? You could say no. And tonight, you could say not now. Tonight, you could say not me. And many, many people here uh, here and in other places, many people have. They've looked at God's offer to dwell with them for eternity And give them eternal life and dwell with him in heaven for eternity. And they have simply said no. And you could miss out on God's eternal plan for your life by saying no to God working in your life. God wants to do all these things for you. He wants to give you a life of blessings. He, he wants to give you every good and perfect gift. As I said this morning in the message, he wants to give you life and not just life, life abundantly. He wants you to have every spiritual resource. He wants you to be spiritually rich. And you could just say no. 
So I'm like, the questions, it all comes down to this. God wants to do all that for you, but are you willing to let him dwell in you? Are you let it, willing to let him take up residence in your life? Because once that happens, it changes things. And that means he's part of your life, and that means there are some things you'll feel bad about doing now. It likely means there are some things you'll know that, you know, well, he's with me all the time, and now there's some habits I'd better change because he's with me. And, and that's hard, but listen, and you might be focused on all that you have to give up if you say yes to God. But saying yes to God um, doesn't mean that you're giving up anything that matters more than what you gain by saying yes to God. See, saying yes to God doesn't mean you should focus on all the things you have to say no to. Think about all that you get to say yes to. I mean, God dwelling in you, talk about the unexpected. It means you finally can know you have eternal life. If you have Jesus Christ, according to 1 John 5, you have eternal life forever. That means you get to spend eternity with God in heaven forever. And so while you're focusing on having to give up some habit in your life that you really enjoy, stop thinking about that and think about what you gain by saying yes. You might in your life, by saying yes to God, you might finally have peace. And I know this is a world full, full of turmoil. People all over the place lacking peace and they don't know what direction they're going and they don't know how to, how to have a, a good night's sleep. And, and, and yet it, with God, he can provide the peace you've always been looking for. And yet you're, willing, you're, you're not willing to say yes because of all the things you might have to lose. But what would you gain? What would you give to have a good night's sleep? What would you give to have peace in your heart? And what else do you gain? You gain a part in God's plan. It means you get to be on the winning side, amen? <laughs> Access to power so that you can have victory over the sin that's plagued your life for years and knowledge that, that will allow you to, you know, to have security in Christ and knowing where you're headed when you die. Listen, when God dwells in you, it certainly changes things, but it also always changes everything for the better. So in case you're wondering if it's worth it to say yes, look at what Mary said. Okay, look, look down at verse 46. This is after Mary has said yes. It says down to verse 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. He said, she said, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. In case you're wondering if it's worth it to say yes to God, um, after Mary said yes to God, she said, I'm rejoicing. I have joy I've never had before. And you can have joy you've never had before. Look down at verse 48. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. You know what she's saying? I'm a nobody. And yet God gave me an opportunity to have a part in his greatest plans. And that same thing could be true for you. You could, if by saying yes to God, you could have a part in God's great plans. Verse 49. For he, he that is mighty hath done to me great things and holy is his name. She says, basically, I have gotten to personally experience God's great power. You know, if you say yes to God, you can finally experience God's great power. And whatever sin is besetting your life, whatever addiction that you're facing, whatever you've got that you just can't get rid of. Now, as a child of God who says yes to God, you have his power to help you with all the things that have always weighed you down. Look at verse 50. 
And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arms, or with his arm he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. You have God's strength on your side. Look at verse 52. He has put down the mighty from their seats and and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. When you say yes to God, you have a promise of his provisions. He will provide for your every need. Look down in verse 54. He hath hoped or helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. You know what else you get? You get God's promises. Well, listen, you, you can't read that song from Mary after she said yes to God and think, well, Mary's really regretting her decision. She, she has no regrets. She said, listen, I have said yes to God and I've never felt this joyful. I've never had his strength before like this. I've never had his power available to me. I've never been used like this. I've never embraced the promises that God has made like I, am make, like I get to right now. So you tell me, would it have been worth it for Mary to say no to God dwelling in her life um, in, in, based on all she would have missed out on? No way. All that joy... I mean, all, all that experience of God's power and the strength and the provision into his promises, no way would it have been worth it for Mary to miss out on all that. And listen, it's all that's available to you too. And it's not worth it for you to miss out on it. It's time to submit to God's plan. It's time to say yes to God and whatever he's asking for you to do. Submit to whatever he's asking. And again, here's the principle, because what you gain by saying yes to God is far greater than anything you lose saying no. Whatever you gain by saying yes to God is far greater than anything you lose saying no. And I'm talking about salvation first tonight. And there's some that you've come in here and what you brought in here is you've brought turmoil, inner turmoil. And you've brought a life that's really plagued by sin. And right now, I mean, if you were to die tonight, you'd be separated from God for eternity. That's what you have right now. And yet you're holding on and you're saying, I'm not sure I should say yes. And yet by saying yes, you can trade all that junk you've got for the peace of God in your heart. And not only that, eternal life with God forever dwelling. Whatever you brought in, I can promise you it's not worth holding on to for what you give up by saying no. Maybe there's something in your life as a child of God and you really have a tough time surrendering it. You, you, you like the control and, and you don't want to give it up, but you know God wants you to. And you're holding it and you're taking care of it. So let me just ask you, whatever you're holding on to, is it better off in your hands or in God's hands? Who can take better care of it? It's time to let go of something tonight. And it's time to let God just, just work like he wants to. It's time to let him dwell Right now, God is knocking and he's saying, I want to dwell. I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you. I've always wanted that. And yet you're saying no because you've got these things you're holding on to. But I can promise you, whatever you're holding on to isn't nearly as good as what you'd gain by saying yes. It's time to let him go and let God dwell. Don't focus on what you lose. Don't focus on the unexpected things. Don't focus on the changes that you're going to have to make. Focus on the fact that what you gain by saying yes far outweighs what you lose by saying no. It was true for Mary. 
and it's true for you. So I'm asking you, what is God asking you to say yes to tonight? Is he asking you to receive his son as savior so you can walk out of here knowing you have eternal life? Well, if that's the case, I can promise you, and I, and I hope I get an amen from everybody in here that's saved. I can promise you, whatever you're brought in tonight that you're holding on to, it's worth letting go of for eternal life. Amen. amen. You got a room full of people who've made that decision, and I'm telling you, nobody's ever regretted that decision. What's God asking you to say yes to? You can guarantee this, he'll make the yes worth it. He always does. So submit and enjoy the unexpected blessings that come through the unexpected things God sends our way. And as every head bowed, every eye closed, just remain in your seat for just a moment. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.